Hey everyone, welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. After seven years of going to school to become a pastor, the day finally came where I graduated. And I was so excited. I went to my very first church, and it didn't take me long to discover that I don't know everything there is to know about pastoring a church. So I began looking for these mentors, these older, wiser pastors who could come alongside of me and fill in the blanks. My very first one was my Grandpa Royal. He was a retired missionary, a retired uh, minister, and he loved to come along beside me and guide me and direct me and help me. I remember one day Grandpa said, Mark, I found this place where there's hundreds of people and they have no anxiety, no worries. I said, Grandpa, tell me where that place is. I want to know their secret. So he did. And I went there and I stood among all these people. I could even tell you their names. As I looked around, I realized Grandpa was right. Not one of them was anxious for bills or finances. None of, them, none of them were anxious for their health. None of them were worried about relationships. Because I was standing in the middle of a cemetery. And I realized what my grandpa was trying to tell me. He was saying, as long as I have breath, as long as we live on this earth, we will have the temptation and the means to become anxious. But you know, Jesus said this in John 16, 33. He said, I have told you all this that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. You see, Jesus is telling us, yes, we're in this broken world and we're going to have trouble. And he was right. But he said, you know what? You can have peace in me for I've overcome this broken world. And so we're going to learn how we can have that peace, how you and I can be anxious for nothing in these next five weeks. All right, we are starting this message series, Anxious for Nothing. I hope you sign up for the life groups for this. It will help you so much. It will help me so much. Why are we doing this series? Well, for adults, anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness, affecting 18.1% of our population every year. That's almost like one in five people. Psychologist Robert Leary tells us the average child today, this, listen to this, exhibits the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient did in the 1950s. Anxiety disorders are highly treatable, yet only 36.9% of those suffering receive treatment and help. That's why we're doing this series. The key to being anxious for nothing is learning to stay connected to God's peace. That is so important. I want to say it again. The key to being anxious for nothing is learning how to stay connected to God, 
and his peace. See, God has written out for us a prescription for us to follow, to practice, which will help connect us to him and to the peace that he wants to give us in this chaotic world. And we read this prescription in the Bible and the book of Philippians. Let's read it together. It says, do not be anxious about anything. That's where we get the title. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And here it is. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think or focus about these things. Whether you have learned or, or whatever you have learned, received from me or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. If you want to discover peace, then you need to know this formula. Decision leads to direction, which leads to destination. Decision leads to direction, which leads to destination. The peace of God and a chaotic world is possible. The peace of God is a real destination you can discover and experience in your life. If it wasn't so, then God would not have said it was so here in his word. But to arrive at this destination requires for you to make some decisions. Why? Because to, to arrive at a particular destination, you need to be traveling in a particular direction. And to travel in a particular direction means that you have to make particular decisions because direct decision leads to direction, which leads to destination. So we're going to talk a lot in this series, especially today, about choices we need to make in areas which we need to focus on because these are the first steps which lead us to be anxious for nothing. So the prescription here we read from God's word says, don't, do not be anxious about anything is then followed by a series of choices. Did you notice that? Choices of where we can focus our life on. And focus is so important because wherever, whatever you're focused on is where you end up. You notice that wherever you're looking, wherever you're focused, that's where you're going to go. That's where you're going to end up. It's kind of like Peter when he was called out of the boat by Jesus to walk on water. As long as Peter focused on Jesus, he was fine. But when he, he could walk on water. But as soon as he focused on the storm and the wind and the thunder around him, he began to sink and struggle. It was all about his choice of focus. So your focus... The decisions you make today, the choices you make has everything to do with where you will end up. You can't focus on the storm and walk on water. But you can focus on Jesus and know his peace. We've already heard Jesus tell us this. I told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. You will have trouble. But take heart because I have overcome the world. You see, that's why we need to focus on Jesus because there will be storms, right? There will be trouble. This is a broken world. This is not heaven, <laughs> but we can focus on the Lord of heaven in these storms and these times of trouble and know his peace. We need to focus. We need to see him. I like what A.W. Tozer said. He said, we need a baptism of clear seeing. The outcomes of seeing Jesus in the storm is this, as we read in the Bible. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, 
will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The outcome of focusing on the choices God asks us to make here in Philippians chapter 4 is this. Put it into practice, then the God of peace will be with you. The outcome of making these choices, of focusing on Jesus, is the peace of God. Not the anxiety of living in a, in a broken world, but the peace of God even in a broken world. So we're going to look, we're going to begin today by looking at the very first choice, the first decision that we can make in our scripture, which is this. Pray in every situation. Pray in every situation. Our text begins, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer. If you're wanting to know peace, we need to know God. You know, and if we're going to know God, we need to have conversations with him and prayer are these conversations. Now, you just think of of uh, the closest relationship you have with somebody here. Someone in your life that you value and love. Now, trying try to imagine having grown close to that person without ever having spent time in conversation with him. The truth is, the time we spend engaging them in conversation with that person has brought us closer to them and then to us. We came to know them by conversing, by talking and listening. We talked, we listened, we laughed, we shared sorrow with them, we give and we receive with them, we hope with them, we share frustration with them, we are helped and we help with them. And at first, when you, you meet somebody, you might feel a little nervous. I still remember my first date with my wife, Glenda. Um, it was after church service, and I was working up the nerve to ask her out for lunch. And um, I asked her out to, to lunch, and we were driving along, uh, coming back to church. And I didn't know what to say. I was so nervous. And I just started pointing out the different styles of houses along Georgian Bay. And I just afterwards going, Oh God, I'm never, this is never going to work. I'll never forget that. But that first date was everything. In fact, it was so important that I kept the receipt. Here it is. July 19th, 1981. That's almost what 40 years ago. I spent $15 and 35 cents at the bamboo terrace, which I still believe is in Collingwood. And I noticed, did you look? I didn't leave a tip. I mean, that's, that's like a 17-year-old kid or something. I mean, no tip. Um, I, I wish I could go back and, and correct that. But at first, you know, we're with those people and, and we're a little nervous. But over time, we begin to relax as we get to know them and listen and talk and spend more time with them. But that wouldn't happen unless you engaged in conversation. For me, that first date... Those beginning conversations, how awkward they might have been, talking about different styles of homes and the nervousness I had, led to the greatest relationship I've ever had with another person here in this world. Great relationships began with great conversations. You talk to them. You listen to what they have to say. You enjoy spending time together. In order to make that relationship to grow and to be healthy, takes conversation, communication, and the same is true for your relationship with God. That's why I'm talking about this. You need to spend time talking to him and listening to him. Prayer will draw you closer to him as you engage and learn to trust him with all of your heart. The fact is, we don't have peace because we don't know God. And we don't know God because we're not in conversation. It's not a, a, a daily, beautiful habit in our life. 
And prayer is the name we give to those conversations we can have with our God. It's just like asking that person out for the first date. You're, you're nervous, you know? What if they reject you? What if they turn you down? What if they make you look like a fool? All those things are going through my head when I was asking Glendale for that date. But God will not do that to you. In fact, listen to what Jesus says, and I tell you. And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. God wants that relationship with you. He wants to be in conversation with you. God is where the power is at. That's where the peace is found in this crazy world. So we need to begin to have these conversations, build that relationship with him. Even it might be awkward at first. Max Lucado, I like what he says. He says, our prayers may be awkward. Our attempts may be feeble. But since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it, not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. You notice how in God's prescription, it says we are to pray in every situation. That is key. That is so important of, of how we pray and how we engage God. Because we've all been guilty of just wanting to engage God when, when we need help, right? In times of trouble. We're sick and suddenly we come close to God. Or, or we're in financial trouble and suddenly we come close to God. Or we want to get into this school and, and suddenly or get this job and suddenly we come close to God. Or we want that boyfriend or that girlfriend and suddenly we come close to God. God does want to help you in your trouble. He does want to give you that wisdom and that guidance for your life. But above all, he wants to do that in relationship with you. And the problem is we don't allow that relationship to take place. We just want him to get us out of trouble. You see, some think prayer is a duty. Others think it's just a quick fix. Others consider it a last resort. The least we can do is pray. The truth is prayer is the way to talk with your Heavenly Father, anytime, anywhere, in every situation. Not just when things are bad, but when things are great. Do we seek Him and know Him in the calmness and the good times as well as the troubled times? I'm out here in the beautiful prayer garden of our church. It's in the courtyard part of our building, and it's a very peaceful place, a quiet place. I'm standing under a tree full of blossoms. Uh, it smells great. The birds are singing. And I, I like this place because this seems the kind of place conducive to prayer. It's quiet. Um, remove ourselves from distractions, and we just become before the Lord and be still. I didn't grow up thinking a prayer as this peaceful, beautiful place. I remember as a four or five year old child kneeling beside my bed with one of my parents. And they taught me that prayer that probably your parents taught you as well. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And all I could think of remembers if I die. I'm going to bed not thinking, you know, lay me down to sleep and take my soul. I'm thinking about if I die. And prayer kind of became associated with this fear, you know, this fear of, of what if I die? Well, then I grow up and things don't get much better because then we kind of learn 
God is much like a vending machine. You know, we we put in our money and press A4 and out comes whatever we want or what we tell what we think we need. In fact, you know, the prayer meetings I attended anyways, you would gather around a table and there'd be a list of names of, of people and we're praying for their sore ankles and for this cold and for this physical need and we're praying for things we want from God. And God just became like this genie. I remember picking up from the airport a friend of mine who was a president of a Christian university. And he, of course, traveled across the land and, and visited many churches. And I'll never forget what he told me on that trip. He said, Mark, if I knew nothing of the church and went in on one Sunday and sat down in the pew and heard the prayers, I would think the church was about our physical health. That's what mattered most because that's what we pray for. And our prayers reveal what matter most to us. And let's be honest. For a lot of us, it's like, God, what can you do for me? It's not like, God, I want to know you. God, I want to praise you. God, you know, and, and, and we can't ask of God. We certainly ask God for direction and for guidance and for physical healings. Jesus said, you know, give us our daily bread, our needs. Well, God wants to meet our needs and help us and give us direction and guidance. Certainly, I pray for that a lot. But more than that, you know, God wants a relationship with us. Can you imagine, you know, me coming to my wife and sitting down saying, okay, honey, this is what I want. <laughs> You know, and I, this is what I want from you. This is what I want you to do for me. That's all I said. Or, or I'm, I go to bed at night afraid that she's going to take me in my sleep and kill me. I mean, relationships aren't built on that kind of fear and that kind of give me, give me, give me. And yet that's how we approach God. It'd be wonderful we come to God and say, Lord, I want to know you better. I want to hear from you. And I, I'm so grateful for what you've done for me. I want to thank you. And yeah, ask God, Lord, these are some of the things I'm concerned about. And I know you're concerned about them too, but I just want to reflect on you and your goodness as well. It's important that we are living our life by faith and not by fear. That's the choice. Faith isn't just the absence of fear. It is the resolve. It is the choice. That's what we're talking about. The choice to follow the leading of Jesus, even in our lives, even despite of, of fear or lack of understanding or knowing, right? It's, it's trusting him. It's, it's leaning into him. It's believing in him. I know I've told you this story before, but some of you may be new and not, would not hear when I told it. But I remember once being out um, in the ocean, 30 some miles out in the ocean with my mother and my sister. We were whale watching off Cape Cod in the Atlantic Ocean. It was a beautiful day, but suddenly a storm came out of nowhere. Just like on the Sea of Galilee, the storm came down and suddenly the waves began rising. And, and at first it was kind of, kind of a, a, a great picture situation. I was out there posing for pictures of these huge waves, but then the captain said, no, everybody inside. And we all went in inside. And suddenly the captain said, everybody sit down. Everybody sat down. And then I knew it was getting bad because the, the captain said, we're opening up the bar for anybody who wants a drink. I didn't drink, but people suddenly felt that would help medicate their, their anxiety. And we're sitting there, and the point where everything changed was when the crew of that ship walked down the middle of where we're sitting 
and broke out the life jackets for us to wear. That's when mayhem broke loose. People crying and screaming and so upset, holding on to each other. And the thing was, my mother, my sister and I were there and we had this peace. I've never felt it up to that point. This peace in the storm. We, we didn't even talk to each other. We just had this calmness. It was over each one of us and we knew that we had it. And after the ship did make it back safely, after a lot of struggle and panic, but when we got off the ship, that's what we said, did you, what was that? What was it? It was so obvious we had this peace when people around us were panicking. And we said, no, it's from God. That's the peace of God in the time of storm. The peace that comes from God passing understanding, because it doesn't make sense. It's not logic that in a storm you would have peace. But that's what it means. The peace of God which transcends all understanding, all logic. You can have that in this crazy life, in these storms. And when we change our focus onto Jesus, we can't help but be filled with peace, with hope and confidence, even in the darkest circumstances. In today's message, I want to give you a tool, because I love giving things that will help you do this, not just talk about them. It's a practical tool you can use when you feel anxious. And this tool can be used in every situation to help us disengage from fear and anxiety and stress and reconnect. That's what we're talking about. Reconnect to the Lord that we're living by faith, not by fear. This tool is called STAR. It was created by Pastor Stephen Dirksen out in Southland Church in Steinbach. It's one that I've used and many people use when we feel anxious. So let's go through this together as we close today. STAR. S stands for stop. Do not fix the problem the person, or the situation. I want you to know how difficult this is for me, especially when someone is coming to me with a problem, because I want to fix it. That's how I'm wired. I want to fix it. I want to lay out step one, two, and three, kind of get the John Maxwell book out and go, this is what you need to do, and this is what you need to do. I want to fix the person, fix the problem, fix the situation. And I've learned this important step of no first stop. the day <laughs> my friend Dave and I he was a pastor we went to a monastery for a few days just to have a break it was one of those monasteries where you weren't allowed to talk you had to be silent and so once a day Dave and I would arrange to meet way out in the field where there's a bench away from everybody so we could sit down and talk about what's happening and what we're learning what we're hearing and I remember Dave having this problem that he was trying to figure out. And I don't remember what it was, but I knew it. I remember it really overwhelmed him. And he started telling me what it was. And I responded in my typical Pastor Mark fashion by outlining three steps that he must take to overcome this problem, what he must do. And he said, Mark, like, stop. Sometimes people aren't needing or wanting instruction. There's a time when they just want someone to listen to them and hear them. That made no sense to me, because if you got a problem, don't you want to know how to fix it? We're arguing about this. He's saying, no, you need to listen. I'm going, no, you need to you do something about it. And we're probably both right, but we're sitting there arguing about this, and there was this black lab that came over to us. 
and he went up to Dave first and Dave pats him and, and loves on him and the dog loves that and I'm over there frustrated and you know frazzled I'm picking grass off the ground handfuls of grass and the dog comes over to me for some loving and I just kind of toss this grass in his direction because I don't want nothing to do with this dog right now and I kid you not that very moment the dog stopped lifted up his leg began to relieve himself on me <laughs> I couldn't believe it and then Dave beside me looks up to the heavens and said God thank you you see it my way <laughs> and I took it as a sign that Mark there's times when you gotta stop and listen But we need to stop and not try to fix the person, not try to fix the problem or give the three steps of how you can change this. But just to be quiet before the Lord, say, Lord, I'm in trouble. I just need to talk. And Jesus, God will say, I'm here. I'm listening. Stop. Don't don't try to fix the problem or the person or the situation. We heard the story earlier, uh, the scripture being read where the time when Jesus and his disciples went to the home of, of his friends, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus for supper. And Martha's in the kitchen, right? Remember, she's stressing out and beginning of this great big meltdown. The Bible says she was distracted. Jesus said to her, you're worried and upset about so many things. And Jesus said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these little details, all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But for now, we find Martha in the kitchen, flustered, frazzled, and the call goes out to her, stop. Martha, stop. Science has shown us that when we are tired, when we're overwhelmed, our ability to make moral choices, to think creatively, to connect relationally with others, and especially with God, is severely limited. The first step to overcoming our fear of feeling overwhelmed and having anxiety is reconnecting to God. To do that is to stop. We need to learn that not everything has to be fixed right now. Mark, will you hear that? Yes. Not everything has to be fixed right now. Most things can wait a minute or two or even longer if we stop and make sure we first connect to the Lord. You know, the Bible tells us, doesn't it? Be still, God says, and know that I'm God. Be still and know that I'm God. That's what we're talking about. T stands for take a breather and calm down. Martha's younger sister, Mary, was at the very opposite spectrum of, of where Martha was at in the story. While Martha was distracted and worried and frazzled over so many things, where's Mary? There she is. She's at peace. Why? Because she's sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to what he was saying. She's connecting to the Lord. And she has this peace in her life. Such a different picture than what Martha had in her life. And Jesus said to Martha, and he would say this to you and I today too, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Martha, Mary has chosen, there it is again, the choice, Mary has chosen what is better. Because it is a choice. It begins with a decision. It's all about where you choose to focus. That's the important part. So stop, take a breather, 
We're not made <laughs> with this continuous power supply. Have you noticed that? We're like rechargeable batteries. So stop. A stands for appreciate and connect to Jesus. Once we have stopped and we've calmed down, we are ready for the best way to enter God's presence, and that is worship. Worship is to celebrate Jesus. It's to celebrate what he has done, what he's doing, and what he will do. And we focus on that. We focus on who he is. And when we focus on Jesus and the things that he has done and will do and how he provides for us, we find our hearts beginning to change. We began saying this morning how our focus really determines the landing place in life, our landing place in life. When Peter focused on the storm, he sank. When he focused on Jesus, he walked on water. Martha was distracted. <laughs> she missed out on, out on how, how the fact that Jesus was right there, right there, and she missed it. She was distracted. There's Jesus giving these life-giving truths, offering peace, and Martha misses it. Why? Because this, she's distracted by the busyness of life. She's frazzled. And as a result, she became worried and upset and anxious. But not Mary, not her sister Mary. She made a different decision than her sister did. She stopped she was calm, and she sat at, the feet, sat at the feet of Jesus listening. And the result was she had this peace. And Jesus said, that's the choice, Martha, you need to make. That's the best thing, the only thing that matters. So it would come to us as no surprise then. And our Bible reading and our prescription that God gives us about how to be anxious for nothing, it wants to talk to you and I about our focus the choices we make. Listen to what it says. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think or focus about such on such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, says Paul says, we write this, is, or you put it into practice. You don't just talk about it or date about it, debate about it or think about it or theorize about it. You put it into practice. And what happens? And the God of peace will be with you. That's why it's so important for you to sign up for this anxious for nothing group. Because you might feel worried and upset and, and like Martha. And you talk about it. You talk to others about it. But you got to put into practice what we're talking about today. And one of the best ways you can do that is sign up. We're an anxious for nothing group. Because we want peace, right? I want peace. We want peace. But it requires this change of direction in our life. And the direction that, that, that we need to take requires us to make different decisions and different focuses. Decision leads to direction, which leads to destination. I love this story um, about this old wise man who lived on the edge of a town. And one day he sees a gentleman traveling towards him with his possessions, obviously was moving. And this man stopped and talked to the old wise man and said, well, I'm, I'm moving to this town. What are the people like in this town where, where you live? So the wise man said, well, what were the people like in the town where you just came from? And this man said, oh, they were horrible, rotten people, terrible people. I mean, I'm so glad I'm out of there. I just couldn't get along with anybody and the wise man said, well, the people in this town are just the same way, just the same way as the town that you left. A little while later, another man came walking with possessions, obviously moving to the town. And he stopped and asked the wise man, tell me, what are the people like in your town? 
And the wise man said, well, tell me about the people in the town where you just left. And this fellow said, oh, they were great. Wonderful people had such great relationships. There's such a, a, a warmness and, and a peace. And I just love the people there. And this wise man said, well, guess what? The people in this town are the same way. Do you get the message? <laughs> it, it's us. It's, our, it's what we choose to focus on that determines our direction, determines what we're going to see, how we're going to end up. There are many Marthas who are miserable and anxious because they're waiting for everybody else to change. When the change they need is right here within themselves. So when we stop, when we calm down, when we're beginning, can really focus on Jesus and what he's done and what he provides for us, we get to learn and love him. When we focus on those things, on what it says here in our scripture today in Philippians 4, 8, and 9, you're going to see the shift beginning to happen in your life. The earth's going to move a little bit for you in a great way. So let's appreciate and connect to Jesus. Finally, R stands for respond. Respond in faith and love. Do the right thing. Obey the direction received from the Lord. Because if you stop, if you do this, and you calm down, just breathe a little bit, and you worship him and give thanks to him, God will often show you something you can do, something that will help you to overcome the anxiety or the despair or the burden that you're carrying. Because we're in a great place right now. We're in conversation with the God of peace. And the God of peace may say, hey, this is what I want you to know. And some situations, it may mean that you have to forgive someone or let, let that offense go. That's hard but we need that. Or there may be others who have, you have to confront or talk to or apologize to. In our prayer times with God, we have to trust his direction and live in faith and trust him and respond. That's the star. Today we're going to end with taking communion. It's a wonderful time to stop calm, connect, worship with the Lord, appreciate him, and we're going to respond. And we're going to do what we always do. We're going to take two minutes of time of reflection after the message. But during these two minutes, as we prepare for communion, would you do that? Would you say, God, search me? Or maybe first just say thank you. But just stop and be calm and say, God, thank you, and, and reflect on the fact that he wants to give you peace in this chaotic world. And then he may speak to you, say, this is how I need you to respond today. Would you listen, allow him to direct you and give you his wisdom? And let's together today take communion and say, God, thank you for what you've done, for what you're doing, and what you will do. Amen.
So I hope to use those two minutes to stop, just calm yourself. And let's really appreciate and connect to what Christ has done for us. He asked us to do this. Isn't that amazing? Jesus said, as, as when we get together to remember what he did on the cross for us and to give thanks. So what a privilege it is to honor him today and remember the cost that was given for our salvation. So Jesus, gathering with his disciples, took a piece of unleavened bread and he said to these around him, this is my body, which was broken for you. Eat and remember me. And then Jesus went on. He said, this represents my blood shed for you. My life I gave for you. I did it gladly. And so we respond with a deep awe and humbleness, but with a great thankfulness for what Jesus has done for us. So drink, Jesus said, and be thankful for this life I've given. Would you pray with me? Father, we are greatly humbled. And so full of gratitude for what you have done, how you took our place, that you became our sin so we could become your righteousness, God. And that you were willing to do this and wanting to do this. Father, we worship the Son today. We glorify you, Lord, and who you are. For the love that you have for us, we give thanks. And Father, we want to follow you and know you day by day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m., and we look forward to seeing you soon. And know that there is a place for you at The Gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.